0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Kona Shane Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Rourke. Guys, I'm pulling out one of my favorites, the vet girl herself, the one and only, the amazing Dr. Justine Lee in this Hall of Fame episode, talking about how she treats pancreatitis. Guys, I it's the holiday season. We're gonna see some upset stomachs. What happens when they're bad? What happens when we go all the way to the pancreatitis? Are there any tips, tricks, or hacks that you or I could pick up? Let's find out from Dr. Justine Lee.
1: This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke.
0: Welcome back, Dr. Justine Lee. Thanks for being here.
1: Thanks so much for having me on.
0: Oh, my pleasure. I always, I always enjoy it. I have got a, I got a quick case. Um, this is a classic, but every now and then it's good to run through the classics and make sure that we're not missing anything that I am doing gold standard of care uh, today as it was uh, years ago. So let's let's let me make sure I'm up to date and I got my bases covered. You ready? Ready. I have a four-year-old male neutered Yorkie named Lancelot. He is quite a character. As we got ready for the Thanksgiving holiday, Lancelot got loose from mom when her friends were over and into the big red cooler that was holding the honey-baked ham for dinner. They found Lancelot standing on top of the tinfoil and grazing on the ham itself. They uh, Just so you know, they saved the ham. They cut off the part that he ate, (laughs) and so the ham is okay other than the portion that Lancelot ate, but he did eat a a hunk, a hunk of ham. It's been about two days. Lancelot, uh, on examination, he's got a painful belly. He's trembling, which might just be Yorkie at the vet clinic, but it might be something more. Uh, He's vomiting and he's having bloody diarrhea. Just walk through this case with me real fast. Uh, I want to make sure I'm going to nail it. How how do you treat that, Dustin?
1: Sure. So, you know, we were just joking before whether or not to make it a schnauzer, but I will say... One of the top breeds that I end up seeing for pancreatitis, of course, during Thanksgiving and during Christmas time, is actually the Yorkshire Terrier. A lot of people forget this is one of the top three breeds besides miniature Schnauzers and Shetland Sheepdogs that are really at risk for pancreatitis. And unfortunately, I see pretty severe pancreatitis in Yorkies. Now, with pancreatitis, it can range from the mild case that goes home with sub fluids and an injection of Meropotent and some bland food to the life-threatening acute necrotizing pancreatitis that can be fatal. And I've seen the whole gamut. I will say most of them oftentimes they need to be hospitalized for one to two days, depending on how severe it is. And I'm also gonna just get on my soapbox and say, when in doubt, in this scenario, really important that we educate our pet owners, as soon as their dog eats anything, if it, even if they don't think it's poisonous, it's always important to call the ASPC Animal Poison Control Center, because simply inducing vomiting two days ago, as soon as they saw him standing on the cooler eating it, could have prevented the problem to begin with. right? So preventative medicine, again, so important. In this scenario, because the dog already ate it, I'm going to say the mainstay therapy is always just a handful of things. And I say this with a poison patient too. I joke when people ask me for advice, my answer is always Symptomatic supportive care, fluid therapy for perfusion and hydration, it's gastrointestinal support, it's analgesia, it's neurologic support, uh, cardiovascular support, and a couple of miscellaneous things. But I always joke that's my answer to vet med. So in this scenario, depending on what we find on, on physical exam, depending on how severe this dog's abdominal pain is, my general philosophy is treat each pet the way you would if it was your own pet. So Mm -hmm. if you didn't get a veterinary discount, would you spend $1,000 in diagnostics or $1,000 on treatment? Mm -hmm. Focus it on treatment and work with the pet owner that way. So I would say definitely warranted, um, appropriate to get a CBC, a chemistry, potentially an ultrasound depending on how severe it is. Obviously Mm -hmm. starting with some survey RADs if you don't have ultrasound. If the owner has financial limitations, you can even consider doing a CPL or a canine pancreas specific lipase test if you don't have the ability to do do ultrasound, but really treating the symptoms. In this scenario, I oftentimes will use IV fluids. I don't care what kind of bag of fluids you reach for, saline, LRS, P-lite, whatever's gonna perfuse that patient. And provided that patient doesn't have cardiopulmonary disease, I usually use two and a half, three times maintenance. I know that that dog is probably pretty nauseous. So, whatever your favorite antiemetic is, I use maropitant. some type of analgesic. My go to for visceral pain is buprenorphine. But obviously, we want to treat that dog's signs of shock first, depending on how shocky they are. So, I'm going to say fluid therapy, antiemetics, buprenorphine for pain control. I will say that I have moved away from using metronidazole for every bloody diarrhea case.
0: Ooh, talk most to me more about time, that. Yeah, yeah.
1: Most of the time, uh, there have been a couple of recent studies that that came out basically saying it doesn't help decrease the severity of it too too much, and most owners don't medicate this super bitter pill twice a day for the two to three weeks that they're supposed to. Right. So, as part of antimicrobial. Stewardship, I'm going to advocate for a high fiber diet instead once the dog is is doing well enough to to take enteral feed. And sometimes just probiotics will help. So, honestly, I've moved away from using metronidazole in a lot of these cases. And really, again, just symptomatic supportive care, resting the gut. If I think it's a dog that is really severely affected, sometimes in the critical care ICU setting, I I may put in a nasogastric tube the following day so I can evacuate the gastric juices and potentially start enteral feeding. Um, But I think the biggest update with pancreatitis nowadays is years ago, we used to starve dogs, right? We Mm -hmm. wouldn't show them any food, we wouldn't let them smell food. Now what we've discovered is more of what we're doing with cats, which is once you control that nausea, it is okay to actually start potentially feeding these guys with a feeding tube. But the big mistake I see, vets like to feed too quickly. And right. my general philosophy is do not feed till all the homeostatic physiologic parameters are normal. If their blood pressure isn't normal, their heart rate's not normal, they don't have gut sounds. If they're still cold, if they're still nauseous, they do not get nutrition. You got to fix all that stuff first and then we'll feed them later.
0: Hey guys, I just want to jump in real quick with a couple quick updates. that I mentioned they're quick? Because this is the quickness. Uh, quickly. <laughs> what do we got going on? Over on the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast, Stephanie Goss and I are talking about Dr. Fragile. No, Dr. Sensitive, that's her name. Dr. Sensitive, who uh, cannot take any type of criticism from the staff uh, without getting real upset. Uh, how do we? How do we talk to that doctor? Is that okay? Is that how we can run a practice? I think it's probably not. What do we do about it? Check out the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast this week. Because that's when we break it down. I'll put a link down in the show notes. Also, on the Uncharted side of the house, on December 12th, we have a brand spanking new workshop. It is from the one and only Jen Galvin. It's called It's All Fun and Games, How to Play, Engage With, and Reward Your Team. If you're like, hey, I wish my uh, team was happier. I wish we... I wish we knew each other. I wish we had some team building. I wish I knew I wish I knew how to make people laugh and smile and enjoy being here. Like I'd like a workshop on how to play and engage with my team. Yeah. That's what we're doing. It is $99 to the public. It is free to uncharted members. Link in the show notes. We would love to see you there. Guys, let's get back into this episode. Can you um and the answer may be no, but can you help me set expectations for the pet owners? Are there things in the diagnostics and the presenting examination that are going to help me say to them, but well, we're probably going to need an ultrasound. You know what I mean? Uh, we're going to need an ultrasound. This is going to be a multi-day hospitalization. Is there anything like that that I can be looking at where I am to get some idea of severity? Obviously, I don't want to. I have. I mean, I I've been practicing a dozen years. I have messed this up probably every way you can mess it up. I had sent him home too early. I have kept him too long. I have done all those things. Anything that I can look at early on to to judge severity and try to set expectations for the clients.
1: Great question. Without pulling the acute necrotizing pancreatitis paper, I can say yes, there probably are some. Uh, clinically, I would say If it's a Yorkshire Terrier Mm -hmm. or a dog with a lot of comorbidities, they have heart disease, they have diabetes, they're azotemic, they have acute kidney injury, they have signs of MODS, multi-organ dysfunction, their prognosis is probably worse. And I'm gonna say clinically, if they have ascites, they have evidence of a really severe peritonitis um, that's causing some effusion. That's a patient I would really recommend referring for an ultrasound, referring for 24 hour care. Um, So for me, I'm gonna say any concurrent comorbidity, any evidence of multi-organ dysfunction, any ascites would be big red flags where I would warn the owner that uh, the hospitalization is gonna be longer, it's gonna be more costly. With my multi-organ dysfunction, a lot of people think eh, I never see MODS in you know general practice. You do. Mm-hmm. If you see a bad parvo, you see a bad heat stroke. They're azotemic. You think it's pre-renal. They're vomiting. They're stuffing their gut. They have you know GI failure. They're slightly tachypnic. Could be lung failure. They're coagulopathic. That's you know coagul. So any kind of sign like that um, usually means it's it's pretty severe. Or it's leaning towards acute necrotizing pancreatitis.
0: Gotcha. Any last pearls, words of wisdom on these types of cases? Anything that you see GPs miss or wish that we would, as a group, lean harder into?
1: Yeah, I guess, you know, just what I mentioned before, don't blow off the Yorkshire Terrier.
0: You know, yeah, definitely one of the top three
1: breeds for pancreatitis. The second thing is don't spend all the money on diagnostics when they have financial limitations. Focus on, on that symptomatic supportive care. In full disclosure, I don't do a lot of CPLs except when an owner has financial limitations and can't afford a $500 ultrasound, right? You have to be careful interpreting it. If it's negative, I believe it rules out pancreatitis. But if it's positive, it could be GI lympho. It could be a GI foreign body. There's a lot of you know positives that I can see with, with CPL. So just interpret it carefully. And when in doubt, appropriate pet owner education. Now is a great time for people to embrace the opportunity on social media to say, keep turkey fat, you know, the (laughs) string that goes around a turkey, uh, don't feed turkey bones or things like that. Um, So taking time to help educate your pet owners, especially those three breeds at risk, the Yorkshire Terrier, the Schnauzer
0: and the Shetland sheepdog. Cool. Thanks, Justine. I always appreciate your insight. I really do. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you so much. So fun to talk to you.
0: And that is our episode. That's what we got for you guys. I hope you. Were, I hope it was useful. Uh, I hope uh, it's going to make the holidays a little bit better for somebody out there who heard it and goes, "Ooh, that was that was a good refresher right before I needed it." Uh, that, that's what I hope when I make these episodes, guys. If this was, um, if this was helpful, uh, you could give me a big Thanksgiving help and of review, <laughs> of Pod, podcast review, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, I, I I love it when people write uh, honest reviews of the podcast on iTunes or wherever they get the podcast. Is how people find the show. It means the world to me. Um, but yeah, that's that's it. That's all I ask. All I want for Christmas is your podcast review. That's it. That's all. So I mean, you could be Santa for me, uh, anytime, any place. That's that's all you got to do. Anyway, guys, in all seriousness um I am uh, I'm thankful for this profession. I'm thankful that I get to talk to you guys every week. I'm thankful that I get to talk to people like Justine Lee. Um, I'm thankful that I have a job where uh, lifelong learning is a thing I get to do um, anyway uh, you know happy holidays to everybody uh, take care of yourselves bye.